in the office of uh, Burke Parsons at uh, St. Andrew's Church there in Orlando. And, and there sitting on the table was this extra long, sleek-looking iPhone 5. May I touch it, I asked. <laughs> well, we certainly do like to talk, don't we? We enjoy our conversations. We, we've been made this way. We've been made to carry on conversations with one another and to hear and have conversation with our God. God speaks. And He has made us so that we can both speak to Him and understand what He says back to us that we might have conversation and fellowship with Him, enjoying Him forever. Our text this morning is short. It's Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses here. God's inspired and inerrant word. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Let us pray. Our most gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, triune God of heaven, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we do ask now that you who have given this word to us by inspiration would now illuminate it for us. Oh, our Father and our God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work abundantly among us that we might see and hear this text, that we might see and know that you are a good and a gracious God who speaks to us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we begin looking on uh, various occasions when I'm in the pulpit on Sunday morning at the book of Hebrews. And we begin with these four short little verses that sets the tone for the whole of the book. Now, up front, I want us to confess together that we do not know who the author of the epistle to the Hebrews is. God has chosen not to reveal that to us. It is in His sovereignty uh, to keep a secret if He wishes. He tells us in Deuteronomy 29.29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. And so the Lord has chosen not to reveal to us who the author is. Some think Paul. Others think Apollos or Barnabas or even Priscilla. We simply do not know because the text does not tell us. God could have told us, but He's withheld that information from us for a reason. And that reason is at least this, that our hearts might be humbled and that we might learn to trust Him in the dark. As we study the contents of these four verses and of this whole epistle, however, I think it will be clear to each one of us that the marks of inspiration are here. The witness is evident and clear that the Lord has given this through His Holy Spirit, carrying along the author of old, and that it has been recognized as bearing those marks and fruitful in its use in the church down through the ages. So let us hear 
what the Lord is saying to his church in his inspired word. Uh, The first point from these four verses is that God speaks to us. As a matter of fact, God speaks to you. And God has always spoken to us. And every day he speaks to you. Our first father and our first mother, Adam and Eve, in the garden, even before the fall of man, God spoke to them. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, we read the first recorded words of God in the Scriptures. Down through history, there in the garden, the first words that God spoke to man. From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, the Lord commanded. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Later in Genesis chapter 3, we're told that Adam and Eve hid in the bushes away from God after they fell because they heard him walking in the garden in the cool of the day, as was his habit. Oh, they used to walk with God and talk with God, have communication and fellowship with him. Even before the fall, God talked to humankind. But he continues to talk to you and me today. He talks to us through creation, through the created order. Does the psalmist not tell us that the heavens declare the glory of God? The rocks, the trees, and in Texas especially, the sky and the rain, they speak to us, don't they? They beat down hard upon us, the sun and the rain, and they teach us of God's awesome power and might and majesty and wisdom. Oh, we learn even as we walk through this earth, something of his invisible attributes and his eternal power. God tells us through his prophet, through his apostle Paul, that these things about God have been clearly seen by all of us through this created order. We can't escape it. God speaks to us. We see and hear and know something of him. That testimony is all around us. But there's something else about this testimony that's important for us to grasp. Not only is it out there, but it's also in here. God speaks to you even in the morning when you wake up and you see that stranger in the mirror looking back at you. You've been made in God's image. You've been made in God's image as a whole man or a whole woman. You have been made in His image and even your body declares something of the existence of God back to you. Oh, the face that stares back in you speaks of God's glory as much as the stars do and the trees. Everywhere you go, in everything you do, the witness is constant and continuous. God is speaking to you today. Do you remember that old pop hit? That old pop hit? I won't ask any of you to sing it, and I certainly won't try, and I can't moonwalk either, but... You know the, the old hit, The Man in the Mirror? I'm talking to the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. Well, that was a nice aspiration, but the problem is, is that the man in the mirror is telling you how great God is and how far short of his glory you fall. You can't change your ways. Even the man or The woman in the mirror is staring back at you and declaring to you how far short of God's glory you fall each morning. The fact that that on our own, in our own strength and wisdom and power and might, we fall so far short. 
Thank God that's not all he says to us. That he tells us more about himself and about hope of heaven in Christ our Lord. Oh, you see, the the author of the epistle to the Hebrews tells us, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions in many ways. So it's not just that God speaks to us, but that he particularly speaks to us through his prophets of old. He has spoken to us through those that, that came before that we might know and be prepared for and understand something of what God is like in His great plan of salvation. They have spoken to us of the great covenant of grace. We've seen it signed and sealed to us this morning, have we not? We've seen the waters of baptism and, and we beheld uh, that obedient uh, rite, uh, that a rite being obediently followed when the Lord commanded that we go and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We've seen the the waters of baptism fall on the head of a disciple, and so it reminds us of the Holy Spirit coming and, and falling upon His people. It reminds us of the blood of Christ that comes down and washes away our sins. We do well to hear the voice of God, even as He prepared us to understand something of our need of a Savior through the prophets of old that announced judgment and warning after giving command and instruction that our forefathers before us found so difficult and onerous to bear. Oh, in the past, God has spoken to us through His prophets. But then we read, in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. Every prophet that came from Moses to Isaiah to Ezekiel, all the way down to Malachi. Each and every prophet of old that came bore witness to and and pointed the way forward to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's true in the Psalms, is it not? We open our Bibles to the middle and there we read beautiful songs about Jesus. We read about how He was the blessed man, uh, the one who's Leaf never withers. The one in whom we are all blessed. We read that we're to come into His his courts with praise. That we come into His presence with thanksgiving. Uh, That He is the one that is able to minister to us as the shepherd of our souls. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He does not leave us. For He has taken death upon His own back For those of us that have looked to Him in faith and found Him to be a Savior true and sure, oh, God is great. And He has announced His glory and His plan of salvation even in the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the final word. He's the last word of God to us and the word which brings together and is the fulfillment of every other word that had come before. He's the summation. He's the purpose. He's the end to which all of the prophets of old spoke. And remember, they didn't speak on their own. They spoke by Him. And they spoke for Him and of Him. He is their final destination. Now, how do you get around Houston? You know, uh, 
I would have been dead ten times over if it weren't for my friend Tom. Now, perhaps you're a Garmin man or woman, but I'm a Tom Tom kind of guy. And that little box, that little program that tells me when to turn to the right and when not to turn to the left has saved my bacon on more than one occasion. Tom Tom is my friend. Tom Tom is much better than Siri, so I understand now. Uh, Siri doesn't know the right way to go, but Tom almost every time gets me there. He tells me what lane to get in ahead of time. Tom warns me about delays on the road and can even provide an alternate route along with several thousand other people at the same time. (laughs) And when I reach that, that happy place to which I was striving, I hear those words of comfort and assurance, you have reached your destination. I don't know, perhaps the angels will tell us that when we're ushered home. You see, Jesus is the destination to which we go. He is the destination of every word of the prophets of old that spoke and pointed to him. They're speaking prepared for his coming. Their speaking helped us to understand who he is and what he has done. And the apostles of old were but the foundation of the church, him being the chief cornerstone. They were but the extension of his ministry. His final word to us continued not only through his sacrificial lifetime, but theirs as well. And so when the apostles ended God's special revelation inscripturated to us and announced under inspiration came to its close. What more is there to say than to you who have heard of Jesus Christ our Lord? Oh, Jesus, He speaks to us. He speaks this final word and we need to take it to heart. You see, Jesus has important things to tell us because he's a very important man. He is the God-man. Here in Hebrews chapter 2, in the second verse, we read, In these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, who he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And so we learn that this is the very Son of God who is incarnate. The very radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, we read. And so in the face of Christ, we see and learn of his heavenly Father. In the words of Christ, we learn what God is really like on the inside. In the actions of Christ, we come to know God's purposes eternal for us. Oh, the Lord is good and great. He blesses us in this man. This man is like no other in that he speaks from God because he is God incarnate. He's also the creator. All of the world was made by him. And he upholds all things by the word of his power, we read. He made the world. He spoke the world into being and so it came. And so all that we see and hear and know and enjoy, no wonder it points to him. No wonder it tells us something about what his power and his wisdom and his divine nature are all about. He's your creator. He gives you life and breath and strength. If your mama talks to you, you listen, do you not? 
Well, if your Creator God speaks to you, shouldn't you hearken to His every word? Shouldn't you hang on His every syllable and hold them precious and dear? Oh, He deserves your ear because He made you. And He also sustains you. He upholds us, we are told, by His power. You see, that means as you walk through this life with all of the difficulties, with all of the fears, all the confusion and frustration, that you can look to Him because He is the riddle of the universe. He has made it. And history unfolds, and it unfolds not willy-nilly, but according to His providence. It unfolds according to His eternal purpose. He who is the God of our salvation is also the God of our daily providence. And so, as you live your life, It unfolds with purpose and with glory for God. What occasions you will have this week to bear testimony to Him, to repeat what He has said to you about Himself through His Word, uh, to declare to others about His mighty works, both in living a perfect life and in giving Himself as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Oh, what a privilege it is in this unfolding daily life that we have, to live it to the glory of our Heavenly Father and His incarnate Son. Jesus is the God of providence, and so we need not fear. I recently saw a short uh, one-sentence transcript on each one of the major presidential candidates from the 1912 election in our country. There were four candidates, not two, running at that time. There was Howard, uh, William Howard Taft. He was a Republican. Woodrow Wilson. He was a Democrat. Teddy Roosevelt, the Rough Rider. He was a progressive. And then Eugene Debs ran as the socialist candidate, which, which garnered more support back then than you might imagine today. They were asked their views on God and on religion. And they answered in a very shocking sort of way. Taft said, I don't believe in the deity of Christ. And so he denied our Savior. Wilson was a Presbyterian, but you know he was a liberal Presbyterian. And so he boasted in response of his belief in organic evolution and its assured results. The rough rider rode roughly over the truth of God Thank heaven I sat at the feet of Darwin and Huxley, he responded. And Debs was perhaps most honest of all. I don't know of any crime that the oppressors have not tried to prove by the Bible. Four candidates. Now, who would you ever choose to vote for? I say this by way of reminding you that with the rising tension in our country, with, with violence and protest and religious debate overseas pressing in upon us with an election before us in which many scratch their heads, we must recognize that Jesus is still the God of providence. As we cry out in our hearts and say, Lord, how can this be happening to me or or to my family or to my country? We remember that God knows. We remember that Jesus knows. And we remember that it is in our best interest to pay attention to Him because he has all these things in the hands of his sovereign providence. Oh, Jesus is the God of providence, and he is the saving God as well. Verse 3 tells us 
when he had made purification for sin. What a nice, dependent clause that sums up the gospel in just a phrase. He made purification for sin. He gave his body on the tree. He bled and died in the place of his people who he came and took on flesh to identify with and to substitute for. He is the saving God. He came to do whatever it took to keep us out of hell and and to lift us up to heaven that His Father might be glorified and that His praise might be renowned in heaven and on earth. Oh, this purpose that God is working, that Christ is working daily through all of life, that purpose points to salvation. The application of the work of the cross to our lives and to our hearts, Jesus is working that in His own sovereign way that that great river of life might run through and every tongue and tribe and people and nations might have representatives that come and there on the great day when He returns will be blessed. Jesus is God. He's a saving God of providence and truth. And all that He says here All that we're told about is for us and for our salvation and our blessing. God has spoken to us through the prophets of old. And He has definitively spoken to us in His Son, who is the great and good God incarnate for our blessing and for our benefit. And so this means that Jesus is God's final word to us, completing every word that was said before. Jesus is the period at the end of God's long, long book written for our blessing. He is the final word in what He has spoken through His lips incarnate and what He has lived through His life incarnate. His ministry completed by His servant apostles as they breathed out the last words that He gave to them. The Word of God. God breathed to us and then written down in the Scriptures. You see, that Bible sitting on your lap, it didn't just come from a printer. It didn't just come from a bookstore. That Bible came from your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That copy of the Scriptures in translation is a gift of Jesus Christ to you, and He is the period at the end of the sentence. The reason why you don't need to Worry in the night that there might be some other word that might overturn everything else that has come before is because Jesus was the one that all of the prophets and apostles pointed to. And so when He Himself ascends to heaven, the final word of God has been given to us and we can trust Him until He comes back again. What more can He say to you than He has said to you who for refuge To Jesus have fled. Jesus now becomes our focal point and our obsession. He becomes becomes the concern of our heart and our lives. We focus on Him. And so as we read our Bible, old and new, we look for Him. We center on Him. Everything is shaped by Him. That our lives might be Christ-shaped. And God-loved as well. This Jesus who makes purification for sins, He rescues us from all our failings. He rescues us from our moral failings and our spiritual failings, both those in the past and in the present and in the future. We break the moral law of God 
Before we were Christians, we disobeyed His holy word. And we were sinners in the hands of an angry God. But now we find ourselves by faith numbered among the very sons and daughters of God. Among the sons and daughters of the King. And so, though we struggle with sin and though we sometimes trip upon the way, we look forward to that day when He comes again. And He will establish us in righteousness. No more tears. No more pain. No more suffering. And God speaks to us of His power and of His purpose, eternal in this, both through the general revelation of the created order and even in our own consciences, but particularly through the prophets and through Christ Himself in Jesus and Jesus only are our needs met and all of our fears overcome. Oh, our souls are restless until they settle with Him to honor and obey His every wish because He alone can supply the grace that we need for all of Christian living. He is the heir of all things, the author of the epistle to Hebrews tells us. The heir of all things in heaven and on earth. He is the one whose triumph is complete over our hearts and over every enemy that we will ever face that threatens us. We can concern ourselves with living in His kingdom, living His way into His glory, Following Him has become everything because He has spoken to us of what God is really and truly like. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets and the portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the world. And He is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power. And when He had made purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become much better than the angels, as He's inherited a more excellent name than they. Jesus is our prophet. He speaks to us. Jesus is our priest. He dies for us and prays for us. Jesus is our King. He has ascended to the throne of power for us. And He is seated there working out all His holy will. This morning, from His Word, Jesus bids you to come, to hear, and to see. Let us pray.